0: My name is Jake Van S from Graphic Precision, and I'm here with my co-host, Carl from Holy Carp Design. How you doing, Carl? Welcome
1: to the Twilight Zone, because I feel like we've done this before.
0: Oh, tell me about it. Yeah, unfortunately, we did not have an episode last week, because I think this week was all about epic fails. So we will start with the first one, which is somehow I forgot to export my file. And saved my file and it was gone. So my whole side of the podcast was gone. Now I could have uploaded just Carl talking to himself, but that would have been a little weird, especially since he would have had none of his questions answered. So that was epic fail number one. And then epic fail number two was I had my BNI 10 minute presentation this week did a really nice slide deck. I had to basically put together a series of screenshots because we don't have internet at the place that we meet. So I couldn't really do it live. So I said, okay, I'm just gonna do screenshots for it, have each, basically each page of the screenshots and it'll look like I'm going through what I would do for the print on demand site is what I wanted to talk about. I get the whole thing done, put it together, worked on it, thought it was really good, go to bed Wednesday night, wake up at 3 a.m., and go, oh, I forgot to ask the guy to bring the projector to BNI. So, I had a little bit of a shred of hope where uh, the guy's been bringing it every week, maybe he'll bring it just thinking that maybe somebody will need it.
1: No such luck.
0: Oh, hell no. (laughs) No. So I got the I had no projector, slide deck that did me absolutely no good, but had to go with plan B, which didn't really exist because it wasn't supposed to need a plan B. And I basically used physical samples that luckily the person who I had set up the print on demand site for brought with her. So at least I had those to show people what we were working on how she was using it, and I could talk about what the process was without the slide decks. On a more positive note, at least I did generate some interest, and I have a couple meetings next week and a week after to showcase the actual system, and so people could sit down with me. But man, it, it was just, it's just been one of those weeks. I am so glad we have a three-day weekend. <laughs>
1: Thank God! Yeah, it's nice when your clients go and go for a few days, and you don't have to worry about hearing from them again for a bit.
0: Yeah, it's. I mean, here in the U.S., with it being Memorial Day, almost everything shuts down for the most part, and you really don't hear from anybody. So I'm looking forward to a couple of days, get my head back on straight, and kind of put that stuff behind me, and hopefully we can move forward from there. So. With all that lovely stuff talked about, why don't we jump into design news? What do we have for design news?
1: Well, um, one thing that got my blood boiling this past week was this report that came out for uh, college and the cost of college in like 2036 um, compared to today. Now, the cost of college in the future, you know, it's going to be astronomical, but what really got me upset was the cost of college today is about a quarter million dollars for four years, and that's absolutely insane for a private school, but these were schools like University of California being a quarter million dollars right now, and then in the future they'll be nearly a half a million dollars 20 years from now, so I'm, I'm thinking, you know what? As a graphic designer, you're never going to recoup that to pay that back. And so I'm I'm just – I'm thinking this whole system is absurd at this point. So, you know, cost yeah, of college was killing it, me.
0: It, it is. It is absolutely absurd. I'm, I'm fortunate where I went to school for a completely different aspect as far as like I said, okay, I'm going to go for sports medicine. Did about a year, year and a half of that and decided, ah, it's not really what I want to do. School's not really what I want to do. I'm going to get a job, work, figure out where I want to go from there. And that's actually how I started working in printing. And now I'm here running my own business. So I'm fortunate that I did not have a huge debt load to deal with. But I cannot imagine going to a four-year art school and having such a huge amount of debt I and mean, it's absolutely ridiculous what some of these schools cost and i'm not sure that the education is worth what they're paying
1: not when you can learn our job on youtube or um at like the the future podcast they're they're really good at coaching people i mean they're if you're driven enough uh you could be like that guy that's in california who's learned how to age whiskey in six days versus 20 years just by watching MIT videos about chemistry. So, um, you know, there's not much more to say other than college is expensive. I don't regret having gone. I'm just glad that I didn't put that much in uh, during my years because it was expensive, and I'm still paying for it, but I, I could never afford what they're asking now.
0: Well, I think that's where you get alternative education programs such as Creative Live, Lynda.com, places like that, that recognize that not only do we need to continue to learn as we're doing our jobs and as creatives, we want to continue to learn. We also, that they've also realized that the education system is broken. So they're trying to figure out ways to keep the cost down, allow somebody to learn the tools they need to learn, learn the skills they need to learn, in alternative ways. And I think Creative Live is a perfect example of that. Uh, Chase Jarvis, who's one of the founding people for Creative Live, has done an outstanding job of bringing in awesome instructors, making the classes affordable, and making the classes really in depth. And so you feel like you're getting a lot out of it and you're not paying hundreds of thousands of dollars to get that kind of education. So I think alternative education is going to become more and more the mainstream. And I think you're going to see a lot more of that happen. Now, do I want my doctor and my dentist and my lawyer to continue to go to traditional college and get the degrees they need to to make sure that they, when they cut me open, are doing the right thing? Absolutely. Do I think they're paying way too much as well? Absolutely. But I'd much rather my doctor was well-educated rather than find out he had learned how to cut me open on YouTube. So there is a difference between the two.
1: Well, their their whole issue is going to be probably automation in their industry at some point. But that's beside the point. Um, what did you have for news this week?
0: So I kind of want to follow the this track that I've been on lately about things to help people with disabilities. And this one actually comes from DZine again diazine.com and basically they're talking about a new xbox controller for gamers with disabilities and this is actually one developed by and launched by microsoft itself and it's really cool because it's it's designed so that it can be allowing people with disabilities to become included in being able to do video games and what it has is it has two giant Um, discs on it that are pressure sensitive that allow for easier movement rather than the thumbsticks and then it still has some other traditional buttons and things like that but it's designed to make it much easier to use and it's designed to be much better when it's attached to like a wheelchair or to something stationary so it, it says in here our goal was to make the device is adaptable as possible. So gamers can create a setup that works for them in a way that is plug and play extensi- extensible and affordable. So that they're trying to do something that's really easy to use. And I, I just, I love design like this, like almost something to, to make things so much better for somebody. It's really cool when somebody comes up with an idea like this and uses creative process and uses creative design to solve a problem for a group of people that really could use it and really will enjoy using it. So I'll put a link to this as well as the the article that you had about the ridiculous cost of school. And we'll put those in the show notes. And you can find those show notes at rookiedesigner.com slash RD163. So that's our design
1: news for today. But what is our main topic, Carl? Uh, playing off the idea of tools and, you know, things that are suited for helping make lives easier, I thought we might talk about some of the tools of the trade that we use, not just in design, but kind of just in running a small business. Um, I know that you use a few that I, I'm not familiar with. I use a few that you may not have been in touch with. Um, so I figured we'd compare a little notes. A few notes yeah why don't why don't you start there was one for invoicing and bookkeeping that you had sure so presently I use ADP as my um, payroll company and they have integrated this system that I've been using prior to ADP and it's called wave apps Uh, wave apps is a great little tool that helps you invoice um, for your clients it has fully integrated bookkeeping it collects payments through bank payments as well as credit cards at uh 2.9% roughly um and they've actually started doing payroll as well which was kind of cool i haven't used their payroll version but um this uh wave apps has um uh an application over the phone that allows you to update invoices and to um just send them out and uh put them together um but the desktop version's got even more functionality. And they also have uh, a receipt tracker, which allows you to take a picture of a receipt, write in what what it is, capture that, and then just throw the receipt away because no one needs sheets of paper lying around. Um, I use both in my work and I use both in my bookkeeping. And it's, it's been a little bit of a learning curve, but it's one of the Apps that I use almost on a daily basis because you got to make sure you invoice people on time. Oh yeah,
0: I mean everybody I talk to when it comes to business, it's all about cash flow. So you got to make sure that you're invoicing, that you're making sure people are paying you, and that
1: that's awesome. I've
0: never actually heard of that. So
1: they I'll actually have, have a it. line of they actually have a line of credit too. If they see the cash flow that you have coming in and the invoices due, they will. Uh, extend you a line of credit if you want to if you don't have that with your bank now what do you use for your books
0: i currently use quickbooks desktop for my books Um, there is an online version i haven't used it Um, i know a lot of people that do and they say it's excellent and the same thing it's got the phone app and stuff like that but i use the desktop version because it's just what i'm used to when i worked at the print shops and stuff That's what I was used to. So I haven't really transitioned to um, the online version. I am a Mac user, so they tend to not put out a new version as often as they do for PC. But it sounds like from the paperwork and stuff that I've gotten recently that they are asking people to upgrade to 2016 because of banking integration. And then they're supposed to release a new version for Mac in 2019. So, and they're giving some ridiculous deal to upgrade to 16 so that you'll be able to continue to sync your bank accounts. Um, that's really important to me because it just makes it so much easier to pull all that information in, go through it really quick. If anything needs to be flagged for a certain category or anything like that, you could do it really quickly. So, yeah, I use QuickBooks. I've been really happy with it. It probably doesn't have some of the automated features that a lot of other invoicing software may have like automatic reminders um, knowing when somebody actually viewed an invoice the online version may have some of that but I'm not real familiar with that again I'm using the desktop version it's just something I'm used to it's something I'm familiar with and it's worked really well for me so I don't really want to mess with it too much but I think eventually I may go to the online version just so I have more accessibility across multiple computers and multiple devices and stuff like that a lot easier. So yeah, so I use QuickBooks.
1: Yeah, neither of these are meant to replace a CPA or a bookkeeper. You definitely need to keep those. But just having awareness of where your money is coming from and where it's going, both of these are good applications. Now, Wave Apps is free for the most part, other than like the percents they charge for credit card processing. Um, how much is QuickBooks? QuickBooks can be a couple hundred dollars
0: to buy the desktop version, but then you're done paying for it. And that's kind of another reason I don't do the online version is because you have a monthly fee involved with that. And I didn't really want to get involved with that. So I pay a flat fee, a couple hundred bucks, depending on when I buy it. Like like I said, the upgrade right now for 16, I think is only a hundred bucks. So it's like 200 bucks off. So that's, so it's about, two to three hundred dollars for the software for your desktop um but again it's all in what you're comfortable with and what you want to do and if you want online access and more accessibility then maybe paying monthly is the better option for you or looking at something like uh wave apps or tons of other ones out there that we're not going to get into but it's You really do need to have a good way to track your money, track your cash flow, so that you know where things are and you know that your bills are getting paid and that you're making enough money, and that your business is successful and
1: growing in the way you want it to. Now, do you uh, collect credit card payments? Do you have a tool to use for that?
0: I don't specifically like I will use paypal if i if I have a client who really pressures me and to say, "Hey, I want you to take a credit card." But I'm fortunate that most of my clients, if not all of them at this point, pay me through check just because I don't want to deal with credit card fees or any of that stuff. And I, I don't really work with clients that seem to think that that's necessary at this point. But again, that may change as I grow. But I use PayPal and I'll just punch it in if I need to, or I'll, I'll send them a PayPal invoice so that they can pay with a credit card.
1: Right. Right. And also, if you are one of these, say you're in an artist alley at a convention, uh, you may already use PayPal here or Square. Both of these are these attachments that go into your phone and allow you to do a card reader right there on on site. Now, they charge fees as well. Um, And one of the things to be aware on those is they usually, if you have disputes, uh, they'll side with the client rather than the business owner, from what I've heard. Um, But they are great tools to have. I just I would be sure to um, moderate how much you use something like that, because, again, you're losing money on fees. uh, you got to also protect your business as well. So those are two apps that are worth looking at. And
0: I think you could talk to your bank and talk to them about what options they may have for you as well. Yes, and I know a lot of banks have their own merchant services available and credit card processing available and stuff like that.
1: Um, what about some of the write-off stuff? There's I mentioned the receipts, but there's there's got to be something in track mileage.
0: Yeah, it's actually called, or at least one of the ones out there, is called MileIQ. IQ, and I absolutely love Mile IQ because it is very non-intrusive. Like it runs based on GPS. As long as the GPS is on on your phone, it will track because it knows, I'm assuming by miles per hour, how fast you're going. And it knows to say, okay, we need to start tracking. Um, And then you literally swipe left or right, depending on whether it's personal or business. And not only that, but eventually it's smart enough to start learning that, hey, okay, Every time he goes to Planet Fitness and it's at this point, he keeps swiping for that to be personal. So we don't need to keep asking him what that is. And it becomes smart enough to say, okay, every time he goes to that location, we'll automatically assume it's personal. And, and you can train it to know that right away, but it also figures that out over time, which is pretty cool. Now you use this as well, right?
1: Yeah, it's uh, both for Apple and Android. I love it. Um I actually so if you do under fifty drives a month, I think you can use it for free. I'm going a lot more than that, so I pay about seven dollars a month for it, but it's totally worth it because it tells me to take this money from my bank account and pay it to my personal account because that's the amount of appropriate mileage um and when you're talking expenses and whatever your your accountant will always tell you take off as much as you can, that includes mileage. Mile IQ is you know a great way to track that.
0: Yeah, and I think it's funny. I was talking to somebody the other day about a friend of his that got audited, and mileage is always the place that I find that I people get tripped up, and they don't have the right paperwork in place. They don't have things written down. Where Mile IQ keeps track of all that stuff. It sends you monthly reports. You can export those reports if you want to, or just everything's right there for you and. If you ever get audited or you're ever in a situation, it makes it easier to say, okay, here's my mileage and here's when it happened. Because like he was saying, the IRS auditors were like, well, how many miles did you drive on this day five years ago? And where did you go exactly? Well, who the heck's going to remember that? Well, if you have something like Mile IQ, you can pull it right up and say, here, this is exactly what I did. So it's really good for that kind of stuff.
1: What about – sorry, go ahead. I was also, it's great for helping Big Brother track us easier.
0: Well, yeah, of course. They need to know exactly where every graphic designer is going. Of course. Which is, which is a coffee shop, a bar, a co working
1: space, and that's about it.
0: Um, Sometimes
1: the printers to do That's true. Checks. Yeah, that's true.
0: What about for your
1: calendar? What are you using for that? <laughs> I use about three calendars. Um, right now, it's pretty much. My main is uh, Google Calendar, but that's mostly because I am I have emails in my client systems and I'm using different calendars for all of them as well. So I'm always inviting my Gmail account to these meetings. It looks like I'm more than one person. That's just that split personality. That's okay. Voices in my head, they have feelings too. <laughs>
0: so for me, I use Fantastical, um, both the desktop and the mobile version. The reason I use that is because of the, what they call uh, normal speak recognition. Basically I can say meeting at 9 PM at this business and it will actually fill in all of the fields for me. And I just have to double check them, maybe set an alarm or a reminder and I'm done. And I love that because you can talk to it or you can actually type it in in like the way you would think. So somebody says, hey, I want to have a meeting with you at nine o'clock this day. You can literally write that in and it knows how to split that all up. Now, there is a bit of training that you kind of have to go through to say, "Okay, you have to use these keywords like at and then the location and then at at the time. And so you learn how to use it that way. But it's a lot faster for me than trying to say, okay, I could go to this field, use this dropdown, scroll to two o'clock, then go over and hit PM and then go, oh, wait, no, it's not an hour. It's only a half hour. So now I got to scroll again. So yeah, it's a lot faster than <laughs> doing that kind of stuff. And it, it syncs really well with um, basically other calendars. Like I have um, birthdays in my Google calendar for personal and so it syncs with that as well, really well. Syncs with reminders really well. So it, it's, it, it works really well. So I'm really happy with it. Sorry, I got a text right in the middle of that conversation, it threw me off. Um, don't people know it's Friday afternoon, you're supposed to leave me alone? So it's, Priorities. Uh, it's a really good calendar app. Like I said, I really like the natural talking to it, having it work that way. Um, what are you using for email? Are you using it are you using google for email
1: yeah G- gmail pretty much um and then for holy crap design i have that filtered into gmail but i'm using their online uh browser portal typically
0: all right cool um uh, for me i'm actually use using an app called postbox and postbox is very much built on this same platform if you remember thunderbird um It's an external, because I I hate Apple Mail. It's just, it drives me nuts. It does not work as well as it should. Um, And I just find Postbox is so much better for my desktop and my laptop. It, It allows me to keep things much more organized because I have seven different email addresses between the newspaper I work with, rookie designer, my personal email, my business email. And so I can keep it all organized. But the nice thing is I can search all of it. And so it's it's built on the same platform as Thunderbird, which was through Firefox a while ago. Works really well. Not overly expensive. Um, and again, they do really good updates. And there's a lot of stuff I don't do with it. There's a lot of tools that or plugins that you can use with it that are really cool. But that's not something I really get into too much. I just like having it simple folders because I have emails that I keep for everything. And I think I don't, I have, because Gmail's whole thing is you don't have to delete an email. I'm the same way with Postbox. I don't delete an email. I just shove it in a folder for a client or shove it in a folder where it needs to go. So so yeah, I use Postbox for that. Um, what do you use for communication with your clients other than email do you use anything else
1: um i talk to my other creatives and one of my client system no actually two of them through slack
0: oh nice yeah i i love slack i think slack is by far the best thing to come out in a long time for communication with clients Um, i have one specific group that is for the newspapers that i work on then we have the one that you and I have set up with a couple other people, which we call Creative Scribbles, which is basically a place for us to talk about whether it's Rookie Designer or talk about projects we're working on together or to share things just randomly with each other. And then I have it, um, the platform that the podcast is hosted on, fireside.fm. They have a Slack channel that allows me to go in if I'm having any issues or or if they're going to do maintenance and I get the information that way. So it's it's... It kind of reminds me of having forums before when you used to go in and visit a website, go through the different threads and stuff. It, it reminds me a lot of that, but it's much more linear. So it, it's constantly moving and constantly stuff going on. So I, I'm, I'm impressed with that. And again, there are a ton of plugins that work with Slack that I have not gotten into. But I will tell you, there's a ton of other communities out there as well doesn't have to just be for work. There's communities that get involved. I'm sure there's ones for gaming. There's ones for design. There's ones for anything out there that are part of Slack. So if you get a chance, check out Slack, and I think you'll be really impressed.
1: I've seen the, the most impressive um, emoticons on Slack so far. One of them was an emoticon eating a Tide Pod.
0: Nice. I like that, that one was great. Yeah. Yes. I, I sent one the other day, which is why I sent one with the, the head blown off and then like the swear box in front of his mouth. As you could probably guess, that was sent out Thursday morning to several of my friends. So yeah, there are really cool. And I, yeah, it's got all kinds of really cool stuff in there. It's easy to share files, which I like too. you could share photos, share PDFs. I actually could share almost anything in there and it works really well, really well. Um, you can invite people to Slack that aren't actually Slack users and they can use it in a way to kind of communicate on a proof or something like that and it's just temporary. So there's there's a lot of really cool uses for it. It's, it's a company that's done something really nice to help workers that are remote feel like they're m- more connected and, and easier to make sure jobs are getting done and stuff like that. Um, I think that's all I have for these type of tools. Like, I don't want to get into. Obviously, we use Adobe products and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I don't want to get on project Yeah, I don't want to get on the project management because we could talk for five episodes on that because there's so many different ones out there. So these are these are tools that are kind of different that we use that aren't the typical ones that everybody uses.
1: Um, but I think that's all I have for this
0: week for that topic.
1: Yeah, I mean. I would love to hear what other people are using just to get recommendations to see what is out there that I should be using as well. Um, like that journal one, the five-minute journal. I, I downloaded that, and I thought that was pretty cool, but I haven't been as consistent as one should be on that.
0: Yeah, and another one on that, regardless, speaking of journals, I believe mine is Day One. Let me just make sure that's the name of it.
1: Sounds like yeah, a zombie day movie. Day One
0: which I, I love using that because it, it doesn't give you the questions like yours does, but it gives me like location data and it, it's easy to upload like photos. I can actually draw in it if I want to. So there's some kind of, and, and I, I'm a huge proponent of journaling. I don't do it enough as I should, but that, that could be a topic for another podcast. Like what, what journaling helps with and how a creative should be using journaling. So we'll have sure. to keep that in mind. Uh, All right, so what, let's what jump are we o-
1: recommending?
0: Yeah, let's jump over to recommendations. So I am going to recommend Creative Live. And the reason for that is going back to our first discussion, first news item, where college is becoming absurdly more expensive than it already is, Creative Live is an awesome platform to learn on. It's got anything and everything you can think of with dealing with creatives. Um, For example, photography, design, they even get into like maker scene, people that do crafts and things like that. But they also do have the business and money and lifestyle side as well. But they're they're definitely focused on creatives. For example, 1,500 plus classes with over 650 industry-leading experts. I mean, that's incredible. But the nice thing is they do live classes that you can watch while they're recording that live class. So the first time they do a class, you get to watch it for free live. Now, once they sell it, they may also run it every once in a while. And if you happen to catch it, you can catch bits and pieces for it. You can also sign up to find out when they're running those as well. Um, but they have deals all the time. Like right now, they're doing uh, five limited time bundles for $40 each. Let's see what some of those bundles are. The perfect pairing, which has to do with wine. Mastering photography. So, I mean, it's, it's all kinds of different stuff. And, and I think it's... It's a really good way, because as we've talked about before, as creatives, we've got to continually keep learning, keep educating ourselves, whether it's educating ourselves in our degrees, in our creative fields, or, or exploring other things. Like, obviously, what to pair wine with isn't necessarily directly related to our design field, but heck, you'd seem a lot smarter when you go out to a business meeting at dinner and you know what to pair a certain wine with or the other way around. So it could actually work out to help you there. So it's all kinds of different stuff. So that's what I recommend. Check it out. CreativeLive.com. Again, also check out Chase Jarvis, an amazing photographer, but an amazing person who has decided that the education system is broken and he's figured out a way that he can fix it by offering this awesome content online so that you can learn even more stuff, especially after you get out of school, to keep continuing your education. So what is your recommendation this week?
1: Mine is uh, in the idea of uh, continuing ed. One of the best things that I got out of college was the ability to proofread. Um, and the book that I use still is the Little Brown Compact Handbook. I've got the fourth edition. This one's currently in the ninth edition on Amazon. Um when you're designing, uh, you really need to proofread as you're going because it makes you look better with the client, but also sometimes um, when things go to print, you may write off that you have no responsibility for what gets pr- printed once it's approved, but try sharing um, that with a client who frequently comes back to you, that they have to pay for the cost of printing all over again. That doesn't always go over well, especially when It could have been such a simple mistake that someone else could could have seen Um, I I like to try and look out for my clients look out for my business and that's through proofreading Um, I do give them the responsibility and ownership of what they print But I also do share reprint costs on occasion when I feel like hmm. Yeah, I should have caught that
0: Yeah, and I think Writing has unfortunately become a little bit of a lax thing and having a book like that can really help you double check yourself like am i supposed to be using a comma in this situation or is it an m dash or an n dash in this situation so it kind of helps you make sure that your writing is really good but like you said too it helps you with proofreading because you may come across something and say oh hey i'm not really sure if that's right or not and you can look it up. So I, I think that's that's an awesome resource to have. I'll have to check that out. And you said, what, what edition are they on now?
1: I think ninth. I, you know, I graduated about 14, 15 years ago. So it's been a while. Oh, wow. All right. Yeah. Very cool.
0: Well, I think that's going to be where we end for this week. And I make sure I save my files so that we have a podcast.
1: And again. And again,
0: yes. <laughs> So I'm not gonna go through the whole spiel anymore with where you guys can connect with us. The easiest thing you can do is go to rookiedesigner.com. And when you go there, you'll see all the links on where you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, all those different places. You'll you'll see the links for connecting with us on Twitter and on Facebook. So best thing to do, go to rookiedesigner.com. You'll see the episodes. You'll see the way to connect with us. Show notes are specifically at rookiedesigner.com rd163. But everything else, just go to rookiedesigner.com and you'll find us. And remember, everyone's a rookie before they're an all-star.